0: In a drab, unmarked office in St. Petersburg, Russian trolls plot information warfare against the United States. As early as 2014, they start creating phony personas online, writing up divisive postings on Facebook and Twitter using the stolen identities of real Americans. They even send operatives to this country to collect intelligence and organize political rallies. So charges Robert Mueller, the Justice Department Special Counsel, investigating Russia's role in the 2016 election in a new indictment unveiled last Friday. And where was the vaunted U.S. intelligence community while all this was happening? Did anybody notice? Was anybody paying attention? We'll discuss that, as well as another new plea agreement secured by Mueller's team and what it means for his investigation and for the still ongoing inquiries by Congress on today's episode of Skullduggery. There is absolutely no collusion. I didn't make a phone call to Russia. I have nothing to do with Russia. Everybody knows it. Because people have got to know
1: whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook.
2: I told the American
1: people I did not trade arms for hostages. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true. But the facts and the evidence tell me it is not.
2: I did not have sexual relations with that woman. The British
1: government has learned that Saddam Hussein recently sought significant quantities of uranium from Africa.
0: How many times do I have to answer this question? Can you just say Russia you know is a it? ruse. Hi there, I'm Michael Izakoff, chief investigative correspondent for Yahoo News,
3: and I'm Dan Clydman, editor-in-chief of Yahoo News.
0: And, you know, uh, Dan, this has been a busy few days for Mueller. Uh, First, last Friday, we get that stunning indictment uh, of the Internet Research Agency, the Russian troll farm and 13 Russian characters nobody ever heard of, uh, accused of plotting to disrupt the uh, U.S. election through fraud and deceit. Then we get a plea deal from a guy named Alex Vanderzwan, Der Zwan, uh, a, another guy nobody ever heard of, a young lawyer at Skadden Arps in London, who pleads guilty to lying to the FD, FBI about his contacts with Robert Gates, uh, a, uh, a co-conspirator with Paul Manafort in yet another Muller indictment. Um, So, Dan, I know you're sitting on the beach in Mexico, drinking Coronas or margaritas or whatever. But um, do you?
3: Let me just explain what the deal is. So, my plan—I am in Mexico. Um, My plan was was to trace the money from Russian oligarchs through the Mexican cartels right into the, the Trump campaign. And I got sidetracked. you know. The I, I,
0: I was going to say, what you have you come up with?
3: <laughs> so, all right, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm going to have a little fun. The thing is, I just needed kind of like my skullduggery fix. That's, I wasn't going to call in, but I can't – like my daughters don't want to talk about skullduggery. So. <laughs> really? Back to what you were saying. Yeah. Uh, extremely busy uh, time for Mueller. He's obviously put together an unbelievably uh, sophisticated – Uh, operation. Um, But it is always hard to look from the outside into one of these, um, you know, special prosecutor investigations to try to figure out what exactly is going on. We don't know who a lot of these people are. We don't yet see connections between uh, the the troll farm and these 13 Russians who were indicted and the the Trump campaign. Um, And so, you know, we're left to sort of figure out, well, what does it all mean? Um, And uh, and it's a little bit uh, a little bit hard to say. I have to say that the the thing I do uh, love about the the uh, the Russian uh, troll operation, which seemed like a pretty sophisticated intelligence operation, is the kind of melding of traditional spy craft and all of the, you know, kind of uh, digital. Um, you know, cyber uh, uh, work they were doing, and 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 you know, using social media platforms in a very sophisticated way. I mean, they sent these operatives to America just like they would have in the old-fashioned, in the old days of the Cold War. Um, you know, with miniature cameras and SIM cards and and burner phones to collect information on our politics and to study our our you know how social media platforms uh, work in the United States. Um, and it's a little uh, frightening um, how effective they
0: were. You know, uh, it actually kind of uh, makes me wonder whether they were inspired by watching um, episodes of uh, the, Americans, the Americans, which, of course, is the TV virus. show based on an earlier Russian espionage operation uh, inside the United States. Um, the, uh, but here's my big question. Um, uh, which I was, uh, I've was been mulling about ever since uh, this indictment came out. Uh, the indictment names these two Russian entities controlled by this guy, Vitorovich uh, Brigozin, the guy known as Putin's chef. He uh, owns the Internet Research Agency. And 13 others, along with, and this is key, persons known and unknown to the grand jury. So who are these other persons known to the grand jury? And let's go back to that. January 2017 intelligence community assessment, which said, and I quote, we assess with high confidence that Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered an influence campaign in 2016 aimed at the U.S. presidential election, uh, the consistent goals of which were to undermine public faith in the U.S. democratic process. So is Vladimir Putin an unindicted co-conspirator in this Mueller indictment?
3: One thing we know is it would have been uh, pretty much impossible uh, for uh, Mueller to actually name Putin uh, as, a, uh, as an unindicted co-conspirator uh, in this indictment, because the diplomatic implications of that would have been vast and huge. I cannot imagine uh, that the uh, prosecutors on his team and the FBI agents uh, uh, doing the investigative work uh, don't think that Putin is behind this and that there wasn't some argument about whether he should be uh, named and identified as an an unidentified co-conspirator. So he may be, Um, you know, Mueller is also a a pretty careful uh, operator here. Um, And uh, if he were to do that, I think I'm not sure of this, but I think uh, he probably would have uh, had to confer with the State Department because something like that could have leaked. And that would have had, uh, as I said before, huge diplomatic implications. Um, So, you know, I don't know if he is or he isn't, uh, but it would be a huge step if he named Putin as an unindicted co-conspirator. I think it's something that we need to watch carefully, uh, clearly on the on the on the hacking of the DNC, on on all of those other operations, the United States government. I publicly identified Putin essentially uh, as knowing about it.
0: Yeah, but it it is noteworthy that there is this, and I don't think anybody else has picked up on this, uh, this inconsistency between what the U.S. intelligence community said about who was behind the whole operation and the limited indictment in some ways that Mueller has given. I will point out a little bit of history, which I know you appreciate. Um, Mueller, of course, uh, was uh, many years ago the assistant chief of the criminal division at the Justice Department when um, uh, Manuel Noriega, the president of uh, uh, Panama was indicted on drug trafficking charges. Um, And uh, this was a big deal uh, at the time. And as I recall it, it had to get approved by the National Security Council. Now that's probably not some, i.e. the White House. And that's probably not something that um, Mueller is in a position to do, to go to the White House and ultimately get President Trump's approval to name the Russian president in an indictment?
3: Well, first of all, uh, there's no indication that Trump would approve that, uh, given the fact that he's uh, he's actually called uh, this whole idea a hoax uh, and um, has uh, not not even been willing to really impose a lot of sanctions um on 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 Putin. Um but you know look, you're talking about Noriega who is a uh, you know a two bit dictator in South America and a guy who runs one of the most powerful countries in the world who by the way, you know, we have lots of lots of interests uh with you know geopolitically in terms of fighting terrorism in terms of what's going on in Syria, clearly uh not an ally of the United States uh but to actually indict Uh, the sitting um, president of Russia, uh, would I think be a bridge too far for, for Bob Mueller.
0: Of course, it also begs the question of whether he's willing to indict the sitting president of the United States, but we'll, that more likely. Yeah. That's more likely than him indicting, uh, uh, the sitting president of Russia. Um, well, we've actually got, um, uh, a good pair of guests, uh, here today. Uh, we're going to talk with Ken, uh, McCallion, who was, uh, the lawyer who first sued Manafort, um, back a number of years ago um, on behalf of the um, imprisoned prime minister of Ukraine, Yulia Tymoshenko, and it was actually his case, his lawsuit, that first unearthed some of the documents um, that are at issue in this Mueller probe. And then we've got Jackie Speer, uh, a member of the House Intelligence Committee, uh, to talk about the current state of the, of that panel's investigation or stymied state of that panel's investigation. Um, and, uh, how the new Mueller chargers factor into that. So I don't know, are you sticking with us or are you just going to go back to the beach? Uh,
3: you know what? It sounds like an amazing show, Mike. Um, and I can't <laughs> wait to listen to it, um, on the beach. Yeah. Uh, my, with my daughters but I'm, I'm I'm heading to the beach with my daughters so um you know I thought, I
0: thought you were following the money I mean can you get your story straight here
3: yeah yeah well you know um, uh, you know where these uh, cartel yeah. leaders hang out they yeah. like they, they drink coronas at you know these great bars at the beach so uh, that's that's where I'm doing my uh, my kind of skulking uh, around my skullduggery work will be uh, will be at the you know Playa del Carmen or wherever
0: all right you go for it. We now have on the line Congresswoman Jackie Speer, a member of the House Intelligence Committee. Um, Congresswoman, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's great to be with you, Mike. So this has been a uh, busy few days uh, for uh, Uh, Special counsel Robert Mueller, we had that bombshell indictment last Friday against the Internet Research Agency and 13 Russians who um, were creating phony personas to interfere, uh, to make postings on uh, Facebook and Twitter and interfere in our election. As a member of the committee that's been investigating Russian interference in the election, how much of this was new to you?
2: Uh, Well, some of it was new and some of it wasn't. And the uh, the 13 persons identified uh, was probably new to us, but the conduct was not.
0: And what do you make of the conduct? How significant do you believe it was in um, influencing American voters during the election?
2: You know, I think that's going to be a question we're going to be asking ourselves for a very long time. Because I don't know how you can quantify it. We do know that you know Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by three million votes. We know that in those um, three swing states that it was really a handful of votes, tens of thousands in some cases, um, that made the difference. And there was, you know the sowing of discontent that probably persuaded some people not to go vote. And I think voter suppression was probably uh, a fairly significant part of the effect by the Russian intervention.
0: You know, one issue I was discussing with my uh, uh, co-host, who's um, on the beach in Mexico at the moment, so he's no longer uh, with us for this interview, right? Good for him. Uh, um, The... uh, the indictment says it identifies the Internet Research Agency, its owner, um, the guy who's known as Putin's chef, and then 13 others and others known and unknown to the grand jury. Now, the U.S. intelligence community in its January 2017 assessment said that it assesses with high confidence that this influence campaign in the United States uh, was uh, ordered by Vladimir Putin himself um, Yet Vladimir Putin isn't named in the indictment.
2: Um, should he have been? I think that the fact that they focused on the Internet Research Agency is what will um, be most compelling in terms of the indictment. I think it's it's hard to you know actually tie it directly to Vladimir Putin, but I, I do think the high confidence that the intelligence agencies, all 17 of them uh, expressed, was very compelling. And, you know, shame on all of us in the United States for not recognizing how pernicious this Internet research agency was going to be. There was an article, a New York Times Magazine article back in 2014 that really exposed the IRA for what it was and is. And yet it wasn't taken very seriously. And I think that's, uh, you know, we can point fingers at a lot of folks for why they were able to flourish as they did.
0: I think that's a really significant point. And, in fact, uh, that New York Times magazine article, which was a fabulous piece, actually was just picking up on – Uh, a a piece that had already been in the Russian press. So my question is, where was the U.S. intelligence community during all of this? How come they weren't reporting on this, uh, acting on it, uh, passing it along to your committee and others?
2: Very good question, Mike. I've asked the same question myself. And it's an issue that the oversight function of the Intelligence Committee in the House should be undertaking, and yet there hasn't been one interest in doing that by the majority. So there's many elements of this that we should be really delving into that we have not, and it is, I think, a dereliction of our duty as oversight Um, personnel on that committee.
0: I want to get to that and and delve into uh, what's going on in the committee right now. But just to sort of wrap this up, uh, this part of it up, um, you'd agree this was a significant intelligence failure by our intelligence community for not picking up on what this Russian troll farm was doing.
2: I think it is a significant oversight by the intelligence community not to delve into it deeply enough to determine uh how deep they were able to infiltrate our election process and they were really flat-footed as was frankly the, the the tech companies in terms of how social media was manipulated um so um extensively and so effectively
0: so let's talk about the committee's investigation at this point because it does seem that you have just been totally uh stymied by partisan infighting um and squabbling uh with no real consensus and at this point i'm a little puzzled as to what your direction is or where you even are on uh on this um Let's just take. Uh, we had a few weeks ago the uh, the famous Nunes memo, um, which made the charges about the uh, uh, the FISA warrant on Carter Page. Uh, the Democrats uh, drafted their own rebuttal memo. Have you seen that rebuttal memo?
2: Oh, of course I have. Yes, it's it's very comprehensive. It's over ten pages. If you were going to compare the two memos, one was the equivalent of a third grade. Uh, book report, and the other was a postgraduate dissertation
0: All right, with so, footnotes. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I look forward. Uh, well, maybe not if it's really uh, as dense as that, but I was going to say I look forward to reading it. But where uh, where do things stand? Um, uh, the president asked uh, for some redactions. Are those redactions being made? Are we going to see your rebuttal memo?
2: It's a very good question. I don't think there was ever an interest in having the rebuttal memo being made public unless it was totally redacted, so it was meaningless, and I think that's where they are heading, because the memo, the Nunes memo became an embarrassment. This was going to be the silver bullet so the president could speak out and and tweet about his total vindication, and as many have suggested, it was a nothing burger, and To have a Democratic response that is, in fact, meaty and has the substance to support it would uh, reflect poorly on the Republicans. They, unfortunately, control the Congress and the presidency. Elections do have consequences, and we're living with them. So just to be clear, right
0: now you've heard nothing about a release of this memo. I mean, are they due to get back to you with suggested redactions? Where exactly does it stand?
2: We actually submitted the memo to the Department of Justice and the FBI before it was even taken up by the committee. We did not want to be seconding what the Republicans did, which was to uh, take classified, sensitive information and make it public. So We were ready and willing to accept redactions. The question then becomes, to what extent does the president, because he is the ultimate authority in terms of what you can declassify and what you can't, does he make the whole process meaningless by uh, redacting virtually everything so that it will be the kind of substantive memo that would shed some light for the public?
0: Taking a step back... um Where do we stand in your investigation now? You've been at it for over a year, um, which is longer than many people thought this was going to last. It's unclear whether you are getting to a point where there's going to be any kind of report. It's hard to see that there could be any bipartisan report uh, at this point. So it's just going to be dueling reports. They'll write theirs, you write yours. Uh, I mean... Is it time to, to, to wrap this up and just turn the whole ball of wax over to Mueller? What's your thinking on this score at this point?
2: So it's important to appreciate that there are two different types of investigations. The Mueller investigation is looking at criminal conduct. The committee investigation is trying to ascertain um, what was... Um, the involvement of our various intelligence agencies in terms of um, identifying the issues and what we need to do in the future to prevent this kind of, truly, it was a cyber war that was uh, engaged in by the Russians. And while there weren't any bullets that were discharged, I mean, it had a similar effect in terms of uh, impacting our election system and demeaning democracy in the eyes of Russians and, and others. So uh, I think our investigation has been tied in knots from the very beginning, because so many of the witnesses that we had come before us to testify were not subpoenaed, nor were there documents produced. So we were asking questions without the benefit of document to determine whether or not they were telling the truth or not. And as we have found uh, in the Mueller investigation, being sworn in um, does not mean that you tell the truth. And a number of um, persons within the Trump campaign perjured themselves and have pled guilty.
0: So given all that, um, is there any point uh, to continuing at this point? If the, if the majority is not going to let you subpoena the documents, if it's not going to let you subpoena the witnesses you want to subpoena, put them under oath, um, what is the point?
2: Well, the point is, one, why didn't we... Uh, identify the Internet Research Agency earlier and why didn't the intelligence community take it seriously is something we should be looking at. The fact that the Russians were able to hack into voting records in over 21 states uh, and get away with it would suggest to all of us that our voting system is very porous and very hackable. And I've talked to, you know, many experts, many hacking experts who um, have been part of an effort at DEF just last year where they had 10 voting machines and they were able to hack into every single one of them. So even though the uh, in, the intelligence community and in their assessment came out and said they didn't believe that the Russians were able to get into our voting machines. The truth is, we really don't know, because there's no way that we would be able to tell if they left any fingerprints. So we do have a serious problem. And I, for one, think that we should um, resort to paper ballots, um, scanning, and then mandatory audits to make sure that the Russians don't continue to have the impact that they've had.
0: Let's – and that that deals with a very important part of this, which is the Russian interference. But as you know, the politically explosive part is – the question of whether there was any form of collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians in their attack. Um, the, as, you, as, you, as we've seen, the president now says what he was calling a hoax was not the idea that the Russians were interfering in our election, only the claim that his campaign was colluding with the Russians. Now that's a bit of a change from what he had been saying in the past, but given that um, and from what you know now and everything that you've seen over the last year. Um, have you seen evidence of collusion that goes beyond what is publicly
2: known at the t- uh, right now? I have seen evidence of an interest in coordinating with the Russians
0: and that much is something we could point to uh, based on the publicly available evidence the Trump Tower meeting uh the willingness to take information uh, derogatory about Hillary Clinton that the Russians were supposedly offering um but that doesn't speak to whether or not um it went beyond that and
2: well i can't speak to what i know beyond that obviously but there are other um indications of an interest to coordinate campaigns.
0: And will we um, see that? And if so, when? And, you know, one could argue if you're blocked from where you want to go, why not throw in the towel right now and produce a report that um, – in which you share the indications and other evidence you've gotten so the public can see it in this uh, election year?
2: What we do know is that every interview provides us more information. So we still have a list of about, I'd say 20 to 30 individuals that we want to interview. And I think that, we should be allowed to do that. I also think, and and we haven't spent a lot of time on this, but I think it's a very serious issue. Why is it Donald Trump is so unwilling to impose sanctions that Congress has passed and legislation he signed into law that um, would extend additional sanctions on Russia for their conduct? And I think the answer is, He has um, financial arrangements with the Russians that we have yet to be able to uncover. And in part, it has something to do, I think, with the fact that we've never seen his tax return as well. Um, There are too many relationships that you can point to where the Trump organization engaged with Russian operatives Um, where statements by the Trump sons have suggested they get most of their business business from the Russians. The Russian oligarch who purchased his mansion in Florida for twice the value, as the entire financial world was careening out of control in 2008, and at the same time that Donald Trump had a personal debt that was due. So I, I am very concerned that there is a corrupting nature of the Russians on Donald Trump and others, probably, that we'll never know. Question I keep asking myself, but for the fact that Paul Manafort was chair of his campaign, would he be indicted and charged with all of these um, crimes today? And I think the answer would be probably not.
0: Uh, Very good point. Uh, Just to pick up quickly on uh, uh, something you said, you said you have a list of about 20 uh, to 25 witnesses you want uh, uh, to interview by the committee. Um, uh, If you had to pick uh, your top three or four, who's most important and uh, are you going to get a crack at them?
2: Well, I'm not going to identify who these people are, um, and I don't know that we're going to get a crack at them. Um, the ones that we have been able to interview that were on our list were not subpoenaed, so therefore um, we did not get uh, information that we should have. Um, there was some I think behavior by staff uh, of the majority that would really raise the question of you know tampering as well, and yet um, you know we haven't really pursued that either. what do you mean so, by
0: what do you mean by tampering?
2: Oh, well, tampering with
0: witnesses. Who was tampering with witnesses? I,
2: I really can't go beyond that, Mike.
0: But but you're saying the majority wa- was tampering with witnesses before the committee, giving them information about what questions would be asked or um, heads up on lines I, of inquiry. I can't.
2: Excuse me. I can't go beyond that.
0: Okay. Um, Well, look, uh, the final uh, uh, final question here then is um, uh, I come back to my initial question of where we are. Um, uh, Is this a matter of this is going to drag on for the rest of this year? Or do you see a point at which you will try to write a report to tell the public of what you can about what you know?
2: I think there will be two reports that will eventually um, be made public. Um, I think that this investigation is going to go on for a period of time. Don't forget the Benghazi investigation went on for two and a half years um, with really no results whatsoever. Um, This is an attack on the United States. As far as I'm concerned, it was a cyber war um, that the Russians engaged in. And we have a responsibility to... Find out as much as we can and then prevent it from happening in the future.
0: Congresswoman Spear, thank you very much for joining us on Skullduggery. I hope you'll uh, I hope you'll come back. I will. Thanks, Michael. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll be back after this quick break with lawyer Ken McCallion, who brought a lawsuit against Paul Manafort that may have led to the latest charges by Mueller. Ken McCallion, thanks for joining us. Delighted
1: to be here, Michael.
0: So, look, uh, we had this um, uh, interesting indictment the other day uh, from Robert Mueller, a plea deal with a uh, young lawyer at uh, the big law firm of Scadden Arps, um, Alex Vanderswan, in London. He lives in London. He pleads guilty to lying to the FBI about his contacts with Robert Gates, uh, a co-defendant with Paul Manafort, in the uh, big money laundering indictment brought by uh, Mueller uh, some months ago. And this actually has its roots in a lawsuit you brought some years ago against Manafort uh, for money laundering um, on behalf of Julia... Tymoshenko, who was the deposed prime minister of Ukraine, tell us how that case came about and how it relates to this new uh, criminal charge.
1: Ms. Tymoshenko was uh, under investigation and indictment by the Yanukovych uh, administration, and they uh, on, on various political and trumped-up charges. Uh, she was promptly thrown into jail, and uh, then the U.S., the European Union, and many human rights groups uh, put up a cry of protest. Uh, and we, I should and
0: I should point out that the Yanukovych regime was the pro-Russia. Um, regime in Ukraine, Yanukovych was the head of the Party of Regions, which was the pro-Russian political party. Yanukovych had close ties to the Russians, and his chief political consultant at the time uh, was Paul Manafort, uh, assisted by his deputy, uh, Mr. Gates.
1: Yes, that's that's true, and uh, I was um, obviously working with the more uh, pro-Western forces, uh, the opposition leaders, Temeshenko and others, most of them ended up in jail or were under investigation or had fled the country. And uh, Paul Manafort, uh, who was a top advisor of uh, Yanukovych, uh, came in on the side of the administration. Um, although Ms. Temeshenko was in jail, uh, we brought a human rights and money laundering case against Manafort, Yanukovych and Uh, a a Ukrainian oligarch, uh, Dmitry Firtash, in New York, uh, in an effort both to focus upon the corruption of the Yanukovych administration and Paul Manafort's involvement in that, as well as their uh, efforts to use their money laundering machine uh, really to generate funds uh, for the public Relations battle, which they were losing, relating to Temeshenko and others.
0: So, how does the big law firm, the big worldwide law firm of Skadden Arps, get involved?
1: Well, uh, Paul Manafort came up with the concocted a scheme that uh, uh, to win back uh, public opinion, or at least to counter the bad adverse public uh, opinion uh, relating to the human rights abuses by the Yanukovych administration that he'd hire this large, um, generally well-reputed international law firm of of Skadden Arps, uh, which he he did. Uh, He got in touch with the leadership of the law firm, at least some of the prime partners here in the U.S., uh, and uh, they agreed to conduct what was touted as an independent investigation. And who are those who are
0: those top partners at Skadden Arps who did the uh, investigation?
1: It, it was uh, Craig and Sloan. Uh, give, me,
0: give us their first names, will you? Uh, uh, Gregory Craig, who was uh, a well-known, well-regarded Washington lawyer who had been the first White House counsel for Barack Obama.
1: Um, Absolutely. And uh, but from the get go, they kind of signed on to a a fairly squirrely and questionable um, campaign by Manafort, because from the beginning they agreed uh, to have the contract they signed with the Ukraine government uh, to publicly disclose that they only received twelve thousand dollars. The reason for this was to keep under the public bidding requirements under Ukraine law. So from the beginning, this large law firm, for reasons best known to themselves, but very surprising to us, uh, agreed to really circumvent the requirements of Ukraine law from the get-go. They then permitted uh, really Paul Manafort, Rick Gates, and their cronies to largely orchestrate to lead them around Kiev, to feed them um, documentation, uh, to conduct interviews that were favorable to the government's view that the prosecution of Timoshenko was in fact um, warranted and that there was a factual and legal basis for, uh, for the prosecution and indictment of, of Timoshenko. So
0: I believe you have called the uh, Scadnarps report a whitewash, correct?
1: Oh yes, and uh, it was a, really a result-oriented investigation and report. Um, they were hired, and about you know over a million dollars one point one million it was eventually disclosed had been paid to the law firm really circuitously. Uh, from uh, ukraine government funds by the former uh, attorney general and finance ministers there and um, although certainly muller's team knows the details of how skatenarps got the money we now know that ultimately those monies were funneled to the um, uh, skatenarps skatenarps team but this didn't come out till much later after after their whitewash.
0: Why was it a whitewash? Why do you call it a whitewash?
1: Well, um, we were trying to get a fair hearing uh, from the Skadnarps attorney and their team relating to the human rights abuses and the information that we had, that the prosecution and investigation was completely politically motivated. Um, they gave us, you know, very little time or attention or review of the documentation considerable, which we had uh, showing that uh, this was really a political hatch- hatchet job by the Yanukovych administration. And uh, conversely, they spent a great deal of time and basically were spoon fed uh, information that was strictly favorable to the Yanukovych administration. So the result was not surprising.
0: You know, I dug out uh, one of your uh, old uh, filings in that lawsuit um, uh, from some years ago about how some of the documents uh, that established some of your allegations were uh, discovered, and uh, I, I love some of the detail here. Numerous nylon bags, nylon bags of documents, were retrieved from the riverbed near Yanukovych's res- residential compound, and in addition, a trove of documents were found in the residence of the deposed prosecutor general, including documents found in his sauna. Uh,
1: yeah, this was this was significant because these documents, which related to which uh, came from Manafort and Gates and their team. Uh, Some some in English, actually, and some in um, Ukrainian uh, actually showed direct correspondence between Manafort Gates uh, and the Skadnarps team and the uh, general uh, prosecutor general general's office, uh, which showed that, you know, they that It kind of confirmed what we had been saying, which is that Manafort was really secretly leading the investigation or at least manipulating it towards their desired end, which was, you know, some justification, uh, false justification for the Yanukovych uh, incarceration and prosecution.
0: Let's bring this around to the new charges just filed by Mueller uh, against this guy, Alex van der Zwan, a, uh a London associate of uh, Skadden Arps who worked on that report you call a whitewash um, in which he is uh, pled guilty to lying to the FBI about his communications with Gates uh, and also accused of de- uh, destroying uh emails, uh, failing to turn over evidence that was being sought by Mueller. Um, what do you make of these charges and how do they fit in to the picture you were trying to, uh, present, uh, some years ago about, um, the Manafort Yanukovych relationship?
1: Well, we don't know all the details, but, um, it's fair to assume that since Andrew Weissman of Mueller's office, uh, really signed this particular uh, information, that uh, uh, although the charges are making false statements to the FBI, it was part of their money laundering uh, investigation and continuing money laundering investigation, uh, which focused, um, our understanding is not so much just on Scadnarp's whitewash uh, uh, and its conclusions in the investigation, but the uh, circumstances surrounding the really backdoor $1.1 million that uh, Skadden Arps had received through various conduits uh, set up by Manafort and the Yanukovych uh, administration, it appears that, uh, and this young man's um, name is actually on the report below that of Craig and Sloan's, But the London office of Skadden Arps provided a lot of the backup and also um, our understanding is a lot of the financial aspects were run through the uh, London office and were handled uh, by this particular lawyer and it appears that um, when the FBI and Mueller's team came knocking at the door of Skadden Arps asking for emails and financial details relating to this contract with the Yanukovych administration that uh, he lied to the FBI uh, and attempted to erase the financial and email trail uh, relating to that investigation.
0: I think the theory here, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that Manafort engineered this report and somehow was instrumental in paying for it as part of his larger effort to uh, burnish the image of the uh, uh, Yanukovych regime in the United States. And therefore it fits into the core charges by Mueller that he was acting as an unregistered foreign agent for uh, the Yanukovych government.
1: Yes, absolutely. The indictments really talk to about a $4 million um, uh, basically, a slush fund to try and burnish, uh, refurbish the Yanukovych administration reputation, public relations. The Skadden Arps report was part of this, and also the retention of uh, some consulting and lobbying groups uh, rounded out the plan and the team that Manafort and Gates had put uh, had put together. So this is part of a larger picture of money laundering and the use of um, uh, illicit backdoor funds uh, as part of a campaign by Manafort on behalf of a foreign power, namely the ukraine government
0: and and what fascinates me is you brought this lawsuit uh, some years ago i think in 2014 gets dismissed by a federal judge because the judge concludes that you really didn't have jurisdiction or she didn't have jurisdiction over the um uh, actions of the uh, of a foreign government but you went to the fbi with some of your information at the time some years ago you went to the fbi about all this correct
1: Oh, yes. uh, Absolutely. Actually, um, I didn't go to them. They came to me after we filed three amendments and we started filing uh, federal civil RICO complaints against Manafort and his cronies really as early as um, as 2000 and 2000 late 2011 2012. So the FBI uh, and um, the FBI already had information at that time. Uh, relating to activities of Manafort on behalf of the Ukraine government, and we certainly added to that um, those those core facts uh, uh, that the FBI was investigating. So the and then that investigation later on, uh, when Manafort, of course, was named as campaign chairman in 2016 of the Trump campaign. Um, This FBI investigation, which had been ongoing and was picked up by the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, uh, new life was breathed into it uh, because obviously they got uh, uh, information um, really maybe by you and others relating to Manafort's um, Ukraine and um, Russian connections. And also, we didn't know it at the time, but they were also getting information relating to the Papadopoulos uh,
0: uh, right. connection.
1: Right. So, so it, is,
0: it is interesting that you uh, may have uh, set the ball in motion uh, and that the FBI was on to this for uh, many years before uh, Robert Mueller got on the case. Um, Ken McCallion, thanks a lot for joining us. Um, It's a fascinating glimpse into the origins of this case and uh, may give us a hint. uh, We don't know about where it's going.
1: Thanks so much, Michael. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks to Congresswoman Jackie Speier and lawyer Ken McCallion for joining us on Skullduggery this week. Just after we recorded this interview, Special Counsel Mueller unveiled a new superseding indictment against Manafort and Gates. It involves charges of bank fraud and tax fraud related to the monies they received from the Yanukovych government in Ukraine. Don't forget to subscribe to Skullduggery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll talk to you next week.